quite soon our clean rating on Apple Podcasts will have since came and went as today we're talking all about Torchwood Day 1. The TARDIS Cloister Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloister Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh no. Hello, welcome to the lovely family show that is Cloisterbell Podcast. Hello, uh, I'm Rob and I'm here with Liam. Hi Rob, hi everyone. Hello. Uh, yeah Rob, I think that's a, I think that's a good warning with uh, what we're mainly going to be talking about. Our friendly viewing for this, uh, for this podcast is thrown completely out of the window. Um, yep. We... Uh, Due to the episode we're reviewing today, it yeah, this won't be suitable for family viewing. So you have been warned, and mm. and we're being serious about that. Um, we're, yeah. we're not we're not joking because we're we're talking about an episode of Torchwood, which is um, yeah, What's well, it's it about? probably fifteen certificate, isn't it? Maybe yeah, I think it's fifteen or eighteen. Surely just fifteen. Yeah, I would. I think eighteen is probably a bit strong, but uh... so yes. Um, welcome to Cloisterbell Podcast, a podcast about Doctor Who, and today we on to, we're on to our second episode of Torchwood. So, yeah. how are you doing, Liam? What have you been up to since last we spoke? Um, uh, not too much compared to when we we last did our catch up. You know, still cracking on with work. Uh, as I said in the last podcast, I've handed my notice in with where I currently work, and I'm looking forward to starting my new job, uh, which will be on the 7th of November. So it's just winding down with that. Just to clarify, you haven't handed your notice in here. Oh, no, not yet. But uh, not yet. no, no, this is, uh, this, this, is, this is proper employment I'm talking about, you know, where right. you, uh, you, know, you actually get This paid. is a proper job. But, um, yeah, yeah, job. Um so Exciting just stuff, been though. cracking on with that but yeah just uh, going to the cinema um, going to the gym Catch, uh, actually because one thing I did say in my last po- uh, in the last podcast was I hadn't been doing enough reading as much as I would have liked so I'm starting to sort that out now so pick, picked up a few books and uh, yeah so I'm happy with that and how about you what you've been up to yeah good to read um, not been up to too much I was a bit poorly when we spoke last and I still am oh uh, I've been watching The Rings of Power. I started that when we last spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw it through to the end. Eight episodes. Each one's over an hour long. The pacing of it is a bit unusual. So many characters to follow. <sighs> um, yeah. I just I had to see it through, though. It was enjoyable, but it was... It wasn't great at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. Mm. But yeah, I, it, it's gonna go on for five seasons, I believe, until it reaches the battle in the the prologue of the Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, okay, right. Well, that's interesting. So at least they've actually structured it in a way where they've, they've got a built-in end point. So hopefully, the yeah, five the long seasons. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> um, we, me and my wife, did stick Lord of the Rings on afterwards. Just 
I thought, oh, well, we'll stick that on. Maybe maybe we'll enjoy it more and learn to appreciate it more mm-hmm. after watching that. Um, so watching a bit of that. What about yourself? Have you watched anything? It is uh, Halloween today. Have, have you been doing anything uh, spooky lately? Any no. horror movies? <laughs> no, actually, I haven't. Um, no. Yeah, I'm not really... I know this is sort of like the the, the the Halloween special, although I think we're probably stretching the definition of the word special here. It just happens to have fallen on Halloween. Um, it's, it's special every week. Yeah, it's special every week, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never really been that fussed about Halloween. It's one of those things where it's just like, oh, I wish the Americans kept it. Why did we take it on? Why is it a thing now? Um, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I miss trick-or-treating. I see, I never did that. Going around begging people oh, for right. sweets. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Yeah. yeah. I know that uh, the, the Tyneside Cinema, um, every year for Halloween, does um, does a Halloween all-nighter where... Um, I think uh, the day of Halloween going into the early hours of the following morning it's it's pretty much just 24 hours of horror films just being shown and you can go, you, you can go in you, you can see the full schedule you can go in and if you just want to see one or two films and, and book your ticket separately or you can and, and they do it very cheap you're allowed to leave yeah so you, yeah. you don't have to oh, you know good. but uh, I know some people do that the whole um, staying there for the whole 24 hours just watching non-stop horror films um I, a bit much for me. Uh, I once did a Star Wars marathon uh, years ago, <laughs> and that was just with the first trilogy. And it's like I, I, I can't, I can't do this again. Cool. I, I left that that experience a broken man. I don't know how anyone could possibly do film marathons. It's a bit, it's a bit much for me. As much as I love them, um, so the idea of spending twenty four hours in a in a cinema is um, oh, that's a horror in itself. Yeah, I don't think I've done a long stretch. I've I've done. The Lord of the Rings, all in all in one go at a cinema. Wow, how was that? It was good. Uh, there was uh, a little interval in between each film. I ran out to get ice cream and sit sit and get some sea air. Yeah, but, how long were the intervals? Uh, probably like fifteen minutes. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was an experience. <laughs> that was just the theatrical cuts. Um, oh yeah, yeah. What else? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot about the extended cuts. Oh god, can you imagine? Although I'm sure one of my friends has done a marathon uh, of the extended cuts, actually. Which to me yeah. sounds insane. I, I do prefer the extended cuts. It's my it's it's the go-to ones. Yeah, uh, funny because I've only seen the theatrical versions, and funny enough, I have been meaning to to rewatch rewatch this. Uh, Lord of the Rings films because it's been an awfully long time and they are good um, but I've never seen the extended versions and uh, I would like to and I have heard that that a lot of people say they are much better they narratively are good. It, it they add more, more yeah well obviously they add more they're extended but yeah some true some but, but sometimes extended scenes follow on don't necessarily work or, or add much. Hey, one of my favourite films is Apocalypse Now. And the theatrical version of that's long enough already. I think it's about three hours. And then they did a Redux version. Uh, and, you know, with the added scenes, and, and it doesn't really add anything to it. Oh, right. Yeah. 
Anyway, sorry, Robin. I think I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Oh, I was thinking that I've done an all-nighter at a at a gaming place. Oh, it it was in town. It was at the Al Nita. Um, where you just basically playing on PCs all night. Oh, where where's that? Uh, that was down the the rear side of Clayton Street. Oh, right, okay. Don't know if it's still there now. Cyber Game Zone. It won't be still there. This was like over twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I don't think it is there anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. So, what is on the agenda for today? Well, uh, um, sorry, go on. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, oh. I, I do know, but I'll hold off. What were you going to say? No, no. I, 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 sorry, Rob. I thought that was. Uh, I, I thought we were going to start talking about Torchwood then when you said that. So no, carry on. Oh no. Um, uh, just a little note I'd wrote down. I wanted to run past you. Um, mm-hmm. I was making toast, and and I was wondering, what would you consider a round of toast? What do you mean? How many slices equals a round? Have you used that term before, a round of toast? No, I've never even heard it. A round of toast. All oh, right, okay. I've heard I of people I'll, doing I'll a round of drinks a round or something. round of toast, but... yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you mean yeah, so like doing toast? Golf. Yeah, a round of golf or something, no. Um, if you're asking uh, when I have toast, so... how many slices I have... Is that what you're asking? Okay. Well, yeah, go on. How many slices do you have? Two. In one go? Two. Okay. See, Would well, you... I, I worked in a hotel for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. So it's a term I'd use as well. Um, and a toast rack has six slots in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be three slices of toast cut diagonally. And that 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 would be a round. Ah right, okay. I've I've googled it. It is a recognisable. T- it is a recognised term. Um, for some reason, I don't know the complete- definition though. It's completely passed me by. Well, well, according to uh, something I found on the internet, it says a round of toast usually means two, three, or four slices of toasted bread on a plate or in a toast rack. A waitress would bring you a round of toast at breakfast along with butter, marmalade and jam. It has absolutely nothing to do with the shape of the actual bread used for toasting. Right, okay. That's not very specific. Yeah, it's just like, a round of toasters. Basically, I think it's sort of like as long as it's more than one slice, then that's a round. Yeah. Oh, well, you've learned something. I was hoping for a debate. (laughs) Um, Um, Are you... you, um, do you, do you love the triangles or do you more do you love your you love your rectangles? Uh, I, I mean, it's not going to be much of a debate because it's one of those things. I'm not really fussed, but I I cut them in rectangles. How about you? I go for the triangle. Oh, it goes it goes in I don't know it goes in your mouth better. That is actually true, um, and I th- yeah, it, and you probably get more. There's probably some scientific thing where actually cutting it in triangular shapes allows you to get much more better. Um, much more surface of whatever, whatever you're spreading on top of maybe. the toast. Yeah. Mm. Oh well, maybe we'll put it to the listeners. Do do a poll. Yeah. What did you have on your toast? 
okay, um, I had just butter, but what I like to do, maybe this is weird, but I like cold toast. That is weird. So I'll that is weird. So I'll get them, I'll get some slices of toast, and what I'll do, I'll stand them up against each other, in like a, in like a V shape. Well, no, like a little teepee. Oh, okay, yes. Like a little wig, <laughs> little wigwam. So anyway, I mean, I just prop them up against each other, um, and because if you if you let toast cool down flat, the steam will kind of stay in, and it, it won't end up the right consistency. So I stand it up so it mm-hmm. cools, but the moisture escapes, and then butter it. I quite like cold toast. If I have warm toast, though, it has to be buttered straight away. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't even thought about this, yeah, because what, what, one, you've got the sort of like the the, the nice presentation of it um, stacked up in a pyramid shape. Um, but yeah, you're right. If if you do prefer it cold, then uh, you know it won't be soggy on the bottom with all the condensation and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, that works. Or stood up in a toast rack if you have one. Yes, if you're if if <laughs> if you're all fancy and posh, what with your toast racks? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't use one. Do you use a gravy boat? I use one, and uh, yeah, I notice people just use jugs. No, no, we, uh, we, yeah, you do. I, yeah, I do have a gravy. Yeah, yeah, do have a gravy boat. Yeah, if it was just you having some tea, would you would you um, pour if you had gravy in a jug? Would you then pour the gravy into a gravy boat and then pour the gravy onto your plate? <laughs> I just sound more of a sort of like a rig. I, I can see where you're coming from with that question. Yeah, I, I would actually probably put even if it was just me, I probably would still put it in the gravy boat. Because a couple yeah, of reasons. Yeah. One, even though you're on your, even though if if it were just me, it's still nice to have that nice presentation. And also, yeah. Um, I know that obviously a jug is is uh, is used for for pouring, but what with the consistency of the of the gravy and everything like that, it is a lot easier to pour gravy over your dinner in a gravy boat than it is a jug. Obviously, I can yeah, still use a jug, true. but I do find it's a bit more clumsy. But if you know, if it if, if someone was uh, giving me a dinner and they were using a jug, I'm not gonna go. You know, I'm not gonna go. Um, Would you stand up and walk out? <laughs> Stop! I'm going. <laughs> You pariah! This is disgraceful! And then storm off. No, I wouldn't do that. It's, uh, I wouldn't. Re- yeah, it's, it's fire. It's a jug. Who yeah. cares? It's all about the, the actual yeah. meal. Well, itself. I like to do that, it's but wh- but when I'm when I use the jug and then put it in the gravy boat, mm. my wife's like, "Well, who's washing that?" It's <laughs> more washing up. Yeah, that's the one thing. Uh, sort of like in terms of household chores, doing the washing up is the is the. I know that there's some people who actually enjoy it. Um, actually doing the dishes is the one thing that I just find a general pain in the arse I love cooking um, you know cleaning fine but actually doing the dishes is, is the one that's oh, obviously I do it I haven't got a sink full of uh, like piled up dishes there lasting five years or something I do do the dishes but it's the one thing uh, it just irritates me I guess we'll move on to Torchwood soon then um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do a quick a quick apology to our new patron Grant um, last time we'd we'd uh, mentioned that he's been a Doctor Who fan since 1981, um, but although he was listening on his drive home, um, and his eldest had said, 
1981. That's the, that's like the last century. So sorry for making you feel old, Grant. Yeah, well, you know, it was the last century. We were born in the last century and not a few years off, uh, 1981. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I did see Grant's uh, tweet. Uh, so once again, uh, th- thanks for supporting us, Grant. I do appreciate it and reaching out on Twitter. It's great. I did see his uh, tweet about that, and I thought uh, it was my reaction, because when you were talking about he's been a fan since 1981, I think in the podcast I went something like, oh, right, wow. And I, I was like, when I read his tweet, it was just like, oh, did that come across as patronising? And wow, he's so old. You know, that that's not where I was coming from. I just thought, it's like, oh, he's been a fan since 1981. I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's cool. And it sort of tied yeah. into... Um, and he, has, he hasn't he has turned his back on the eight. franchise yet. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's stuck through it through thick and thin then. Uh, yeah. Actually, Grant, just, just out of curiosity, uh, if, if you are listening to this, uh, I'd just be interested to see if, it, and apologies if this comes across as negative, uh, but I'm just wondering, get in contact because I'm curious. Has there any has there been any time when you've been a fan of the show where you felt like you've wavered a little bit? Has there been a period in the show where you felt, because mm. funny enough, uh, we've talked about this uh, Rob a little bit, and you know, th- yeah, we'll have our favourite stories, favourite eras, and so on. But I think uh, in terms of our appreciation of the show, it's sort of remained consistent. The- but the thing that almost did it for me was the Jodie Whittaker era. It's the one time that I've really went, "This isn't for yeah. me." Everyone's so hyped for the power of the Doctor. Well, actually, the, they'll all have seen it by now. Oh yes, well, yeah, yeah, because we're yeah we're recording before it's even uh, been shown. Haven't even haven't even watched the trailer yet. Because um, I want to come in. No, neither. Compl- yeah, uh, you know, as as blind as possible. Um, although we we mentioned this in a previous podcast. Because um, I think really all the possible surprises that they could have had, I think they've been. I think they've all been. We know that um, uh, they've got previous companions in there. And all the villains are back, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, right, what surprises there left? But anyway, we will. Uh, we'll see. Are you looking? Are you looking forward to it? Yes, not not in the sense that I'm looking forward to it ending, but I'm I'm curious about it. Mm-hmm. Are you? Um, <laughs> I'm mildly curious, but I'm not. And again, I, I've said this before. If it if it wasn't for us doing this doing this podcast, um, I think I would have switched off. Actually, you wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't really be that bothered. If I, I if I did happen to catch it, it might be. Oh, I ha- I just coincidentally I happen to be free when it's being brought. I'll tune in and see. You know. Um, but yeah, but it may you know maybe good. And actually, what's been interesting with the, the current era is I do think it has slowly got better. Although I wasn't keen on Legend of the Sea Devils, that was disappointing. But the, the you know the the, pre, the episodes predating that, I thought were quite decent. Yeah, we were, weren't we quite impressed with Spyfall? A little bit. Did I, did we get a little bit more interested with the Master? I seem to yes. Remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, definitely. And I, I think that episode, which I keep on forgetting the name of, which ended the first series of uh, Whitaker's, um her first year. Rantko Avkolas. That was disappointing. Um, but then, apart from... Like, even, even Series 1 at its best with episodes like Rosa. 
uh, which is a good episode and it's got great things in it, there's always something which kind of just takes the shine off a little bit. Um, whereas with series two, it just felt like, right, okay, they've upped the game a bit. This is a little bit better. Uh, Flux was a little bit better. But actually, I think um, the, the Dalek episodes in this era is, pro- is probably when it's been at its, its absolute best. So on to Torchwood Day 1. Written by Chris Chibnall. Oh, God. Directed by Brian <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> mm-hmm. This, I believe, is Chibnall's first Doctor Who television story that he'd ever wrote for. Right, okay. So this is his day one. Um, and it's quite meta, you know, how it's all about Gwen ballsing up her first day on the job. Mm-hmm. And he's done just that. Yeah. Mm. Deep stuff. Yeah, so I'm going to read from a book from Telos Publications by Stephen James Walker called Inside the Hub, the unofficial and unauthorised guide to Torchwood Series 1. So the plot. A meteor-like alien vessel crash lands on the outskirts of Cardiff, and when Torchwood arrive on the scene, Gwen accidentally lets loose a gaseous creature inside. Arriving in the city centre... The creature possesses the body of a young woman, Caris, and proceeds to seek out sex with as many men as possible, feeding off their orgasmic energy and destroying them in the process. As Caris weakens, the creature prepares to make Gwen its new host, but Jack traps it inside a force field, and unable to survive for long, long in Earth's atmosphere, it dies. Yeah, It's not actually Jack who puts it in the force field, is it? It's Gwen. And no, it is because um, Gwen is prepared to become the new host, and Jack's like, "Okay," and then he throws down the force field at the last moment. Ah, oh, right. Then, then Gwen kissing Jack at the end and saying "thank you" makes sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. When I when I was watching this episode, I thought I thought it was yes, I got that Gwen was prepared to you know uh, sacrifice herself sort of, but I thought it was her that threw it uh, threw the the force field thing down, and then when she kissed uh, no, no. Jack and said thank you, I was like, like what's she thanking him for? I'm confused. Right, that makes sense now. Although at that point I was a bit bored, but uh, we'll get on to that. So right, but that hasn't redeemed the entire episode for you yet. No, so it's just that something about it suddenly makes a lot more sense when I was watching it, but it's just not, it's not the one thing I've gone, oh, right, the episode's fantastic now. I can sleep well, I can sleep well at night. <laughs> we first get the You've Gotta Be Ready intro, which will be the first time I've ever seen this. Um, this was broadcast on the same night as the first episode in October of 2006. Mm-hmm. It was a double bill on BBC Three. Um, you didn't watch it at the time, I believe, because you got the Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember watching it. So Gwen and Reese are out on a date. They go bowling, they go to the cinema, um, they go for a meal, and they're um, discussing her new job. So then, then a meteorite crashes, and Gwen gets a text for work. Yeah, this is all about a new job. You're getting a new job. I don't I don't want to, like... I mean, touch wood, I hope you don't balls your first day up. <laughs> Same and release... It, don't release, don't uh, release aliens. Yeah. Um, Sex-obsessed sex gas aliens. Gas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it can happen, folks. Um, 
<laughs> right. Oh, jeez. When you were reading out that uh, that plot synopsis earlier, I was trying not to laugh, um, which was quite <laughs> tricky, actually. Um, okay, so yeah, th- this sets up the episode. What did what did you think of it? Um, I don't know. I mean, do you have do you have memories of what you thought about the episode when it when you first watched it in two thousand and six? That's interesting. I do remember watching it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember having too many bad feelings towards it. Like in retrospect, is it a, is it a good idea for an episode? Um, at the time, I didn't. I wasn't really fussed. I mean, there was aspects about the episode that I, I don't know if the words distasteful, but or a bit bonkers. But um, yeah, I didn't have too much of a problem with it at the time. All right, okay. What about your first viewing of it? Um, well, as you said, I, I didn't watch it when it was originally broadcast. I came to Torchwood uh, a lot later. Um, I was still in my 20s when I watched it, but um, the show had ended a, quite you know, a few years at this point. And um, my memories of the episode, because I, I mean, I certainly remember it. It's it's as that stupid episode with the uh with the <laughs> the sex gas alien um yeah and i just my memory of it was just thinking it was um it was just a a bad episode but what i thought it was going to be was you know how when we watched um when we reviewed the very first episode of torchwood and my, my sort of take on it yes. was uh, but it's bad television but it's so bad it's good it's like it's bad but it's entertaining and actually i had a a bit of a laugh and a bit of a riot watching it i thought i was going to have the same thing with this episode um but uh i didn't oh Uh, not so much yeah uh yeah i was actually bored for most of it if i'm honest which actually at the end of it i went considering the type of episode it is and what's in it and how just insane it is uh, and how crass it is! Uh, I was actually going, yeah. I actually find this quite boring, but anyway, um, I did think the introduction. One of the things uh, I was more aware of, because it's not just Chris Chibnall's writing, uh, which I have an issue with with this episode. It's actually how it's directed. I think it's poorly directed. And you, uh, so when I was watching the episode, and it, that, that this introduction, when when it's uh, Gwen and Reese. Um, the way that it's shot, and the way that you suddenly get these moments where the camera angles, uh, the camera is supposed to have been speeding up. You know where, like uh, when they're walking out the, I think it's a cin- yeah, when they're walking out the cinema. It didn't seem like it was planned to do, planned to be this uh, this rapid camera pan over to the left and spin round as Gwen and Reese are walking towards you. It just seems like it was a normal shot, but it took too long. So then they made the decision to speed it up. Um, but anyway, th- there's a couple of things with the introduction which is like, oh, I think this is sloppily directed and the shots aren't as tight as they could be. Um, a really good example, I-, I don't wish to do- jump ahead too much, but later on when uh, when we're in the, the Torchwood hub and uh, the-, the-, the, uh, the woman prisoner is attempting to escape and there's that whole sort of fight thing between her and Jack, that's poorly shot. But anyway, we'll get on to that. But yeah, um, so the the one thing that I was aware of, certainly much more on this occasion, uh, is just, yeah, I, I just I also thought it was badly directed. So after this, uh, the team head off in the, the SUV 
which is the uh, the very discreet car with Torchwood branded all over it and the the flashing blue lights on the windscreen. It looks a bit distracting. Hmm. Yeah, and all the uh, being inside with all the high tech gadgetry, which is basically uh, a keyboard on a on a on a gimbal, sort of like going down into position. So advanced, so advanced, and of course, yeah. as you said, lots of blue lights. It's technologically advanced stuff because it's blue lights. <laughs> I mean, even in two thousand and six, mm. this must have looked a bit ropey. So they arrive on the scene with the army. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, they kind of recognise Torchwood's authority and they just walk in. Um, it's it's odd how the intro says, um, yeah, they're beyond the, uh, what well, above the police, beyond the United Nations, blah blah blah. So they're just like four people who um, are kind of separate or above these authorities. Yeah, uh, but they're in- instantly recognised. It's a bit weird. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing of uh, of Jack telling the army, you know, maybe you can let the uh, what's what's the line? It really bothers me um, when um, Gwen's forgotten some equipment. So uh, when the the rest of the team are, are going towards the um, uh, the crash site, uh, she goes back, yeah. picks up her equipment. So she's uh, she's lost herself, and then she's having to explain herself to the army. And then Jack comes back and says, you know. Um, she's not a little girl, she is a member of Torchwood and all the rest of it. And it's that line when, you know, he's talking to uh, the army officer and he's going, right, let the, um, you know, let the proper people do their job or something like that, like really belittling the army. Just going, oh, get you and your high and mightiness. What a prick. Sorry, it just it just yeah. really irritates me. And I, one, I think it's really, one, I, I'm bothered by how lazy writing it is. Of just sort of like bigging up the importance of Torchwood. We know how important they are. There's no subtlety in the writing at all. So it just irritates me from from that perspective. But also having the character just belittle like actually people in the army. You know, considering what what they're about and what they do. It's like, oh, do one, Jack, will you? Go and, f- <laughs> Go and fuck yourself. It really winds yeah. me up. And Jack himself, even though he's taken on this this persona as Captain Jack, mm. um, like outwardly, he still has like this military kind of um, identity. Yeah, so even from a character point of view, it doesn't make any sense. Just that, so that whole thing, already, ugh, already this episode's really winding me up. I just think uh, there's no subtlety in the writing. It's really crass. Um, it, you know, belittling the army in that way. Uh, one of the main characters just coming across like a complete nut, a dick for no reason whatsoever. And it goes against his character. Yeah. Bad writing. Yeah, it is. And from Chris Chibnall, yeah. I'm shocked. I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose in some respects he has become a bit of a better writer since since this episode. But it's, it, it's funny. In, in some respects... Learn I, the, from your mistakes. Yeah, but... Uh, but in some respects... Just out of curiosity, does he, is he the one who writes Cyberwoman as well? Yes, uh, I think it's this Cyberwoman, um, Countryside. Oh, actually, that's quite good. And right, I, okay. I, I think he was also like the the script editor for the whole series as well. Oh, good God. Right, okay. And, uh, I think so. 
Well, one of the things that he it's always been said is that, oh, Chris Chibnall is very good with writing character. Um, well, he's clearly not here, but obviously, you know, early days of his writing career, f- fair enough, and he has got better. But look, at, but even if you look at his time as, as being in charge and writing episodes for Doctor Who, obviously I'm focusing on the Jodie Whittaker era, he's crap at character. And actually, mm. this, is, this is one thing that we've been consistent with. Um, you know, when, when we were looking at, you know, the way that Ryan is introduced... Uh, in Jodie Whittaker's first episode, and then that's you know he's supposed to be this YouTuber and all the rest of it. That that's never that's never picked up again as a, as, no. a, as a character trait that he's a YouTuber. And actually, all what it is, it's it's a cheap trick of going. He's talking about this wonderful woman, da, 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 and, you think, and you, the audience, are supposed to go, oh, he's talking about the Doctor, isn't he? And of course, y- y- you know, for, you can see it miles off that the the twist the twist at the end of the episode is like no he was talking his about his grandmother i bet you the audience didn't pick that up and then that whole thing isn't picked up again and then that um that uh that condition that he has where he i've forgotten the name of it now but you know when he isn't able to you know keep his balance and stuff it's there in the first two episodes promptly ditched mentioned a beef yeah brief britain kablam and it's not a thing again until his very final episode Yaz completely, you know, she may as well not be there for most of Jodie Whittaker's run. It's only been recently when, you know, the focus has been on her. So, no, he's, he's crap with character. And, it, you know, and so so bringing it back to this Torchwood episode, it's, it, uh, yeah. So yeah. in that sense, he hasn't got I've just found yet. something that Russell said. No, he hasn't. Um, so Russell said... When you're launching a new adult science fiction drama, it's kind of inevitable that you're going to do the sex monster, you know. Uh, Right from the start, actually, there will be something that gets down and dirty. That's Chris Chibnall. That's what he came up with. A sex gas organism eating monster. How do you not watch that? Oh, God. That's it. Yeah, and actually, what this, what this is is sort of like right. We're doing we're doing adult science fiction. Yeah, so we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do sex because that's adult. Yeah, and it's sort of, that's and it's it's actually really embarrassing because it comes across as uh, two things. Either it comes across as completely adolescent at best, right, or it comes across as a group of adults trying to be edgy and cool. And uh, and adults trying to be edgy and cool just come across as nothing but absolutely just completely embarrassing. So either and this is sort of like what this episode comes across, and it's just it's a bit like funny funnily enough, um, the Virgin New Adventures was sort of like this. Um, you know, this was Doctor Who being uh, a bit more. You know, it was writing original Doctor Who novels. They could be. Um, it was for grown-up readership, so they could they could do this sort of thing, and um, they introduced swearing uh, and sex and lots of drinking, um, and uh, they introduced a new companion. And I'm sure there's a I'm sh- I'm sure there's a one where she ends up bonking a nice warrior, all this stuff, and it's like right, okay, great. Now you've got all that stupidity out of your system. It's after. When they settle down and they actually do proper mature 
psych, you know, uh, looking at the psychology of the characters and all the rest of it, and actually just delving into really nice uh, plots and storylines, and delving into the depths of those. That's when the the new the new adventures get better. And uh, Torchwood, I think, in a, in a, follows the same pattern. It does all this stupid crass stuff at the beginning, uh, settle down settles down a little bit, and then you get series three, which is when it's you know it, it can actually get a really good atmospheric dark science fiction story, and look at look at the characters and the situation, the psychology of that. But yeah, the contrast between the two is big. Oh yeah, it's massive. It's, it's it feels like complete, two completely different shows. And it is a it is much much better all the, all the, uh, for it, but this but you don't necessarily you don't have to go through this ridiculously crass thing in order to get you know to get from A to B. They could have easily ditched all this stuff. It's just stupid and um, and boring and just ridiculous. Um. Anyway, enough of my yeah. rant. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Well, when they're examining the meteorite, um, I noticed they open the little toolboxes with the caddies in. Mm-hmm. Just plastic boxes. But they still went... Like like they were motorized. Yeah. And this is the thing as well. It's sort of... Yeah. Um, it's it's not only poorly, direct, poorly directed. I also think the editing is a little bit off. Because... This is obviously supposed. That scene is supposed, obviously, supposed to come across as very fast editing and you know and technological. Wow! Look, toolboxes with the, which uh, which are motorized, and uh, you cut from that and uh, equipment being used and all the rest of it. But the the editing isn't as fast paced as it should be, so the shots just linger a little bit too long, and so it doesn't. It, it it's not as polished as it, it as it as it needs to be. And actually, it's just sort of a, it's just a bunch of plastic trays with a bunch of plastic stuff in it. Yeah, there's not there's there's no way you just go well in two thousand and six that you know that, that was actually the, you know that did actually come across as quite uh, advanced technology. No, of course it bloody wouldn't. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's just ah, oh, yeah it. it it's really stu- <laughs> it's stupid television. This is really winding you up, isn't it? This episode. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, we'll have we'll have Owen kind of winding Gwen up because she's the new new girl, mm. um, and she she throws the chisel and it pierces the the meteorite and the gas escapes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, crap, first day on the job. So back in town. Carrie's is on a night out and she's ringing her ex and then she gets taken over by the gas <laughs> um, so visual effects the CGI I think that's alright in this scene um, I think it's all, yeah I think it's fine I think in turn, the, the CGI is quite well although there's one bit of the this isn't to do with um the CGI is just what they they make it. Do. I'll, I'll get onto that in a second, but yeah, the look of it and how it's lit for what it's doing. Yeah, I think that's I think that still works. Um, and I think her reaction to to the gas 
is um is a reasonable one she's sort of like unsure about it but she's also curious about it because it's not as if it's some some uh massive monster with big pointy teeth and she's just acting you know her reaction to it is uh i think is perfectly believable so there is that i think that you know that works that works quite well but um when she sort of backs up against the wall and as the gas approaches her they they make it look like it forms an arm around her like it's giving her a cuddle and is going in for a kiss oh oh, yeah and i just i I thought that was that that's maybe a step too far yeah (laughs) yeah i've got a a quote about the cgi okay um it's the visual effects supervisor dave howden um he said this in in starburst magazine in 2007 um, the sex gas was very tough to do. The actual thing you see is all CG uh, with some interactive lighting. The options in the past have been to use cloud tanks or some kind of smoke machine to create a similar effect. Uh, and it's still hard to do that in CG. Mm-hmm. But I was determined we were going to do this well. Most of the time, um, you see CG when you see CG smoke, it's particles because it's easier to do, uh, but it looks very flat. We, we really wanted something that felt solid and alive as well. We spent a lot of time getting that look. Yeah, and I think that actually shows. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, if you to do if you were to do that now, because technology has advanced uh, a lot since two thousand six. If you were to do that now, it it, it would undoubtedly look better. Um, but actually, I think um, I, I think it still looks quite decent. And yeah, that that use of the CGI and how the actual scenes were physically lit uh, marries up quite well. So yeah, from from that point of view, it's um, you can tell the visual effects team did a, an awful lot of hard work. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So even though obviously I'm not a fan of this episode, that isn't to take away f- you know elements like that where people still care and have a passion about the work that they do. I want to do the damnedest. Uh, uh, the, you know the, the, yeah. the best that they can possibly do, and and that shows. Um, so yeah, that um, that is one positive yeah. from the episode that you can take. Yeah. So Caris wants to get back into the club, so she gets off with that bloke outside. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's like, "Yep, yeah, watch and learn, boys." Um, so inside, she locks eyes with that lad at the bar, and mm-hmm. then they go into the ladies' toilets. Um. Where they have sex and uh, she she absorbs his orgasmic energy and he dies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about an episode which is which is related to Doctor Who. I we're we're, we're talking <laughs> talking about happens. yeah we're talking about an alien which absorbs orgasmic energy. Um, yeah, and yeah. This is arguably, I think, probably one of the most embarrassing moments. Just the whole having to a watch sex with to watch with family is that bad? Do you think? Yeah. Well, just in just in general, even if you were sort of like yeah, watching with other people, it would. I think it would certainly be cringy. But uh, uh, I just think it's probably one of the most um, cringiest moments ever com- ever committed to television. It's 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 bad. You think? You weren't yeah. thinking, oh, this is hot. 
No. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not remotely sexy. Um. Uh, so, so this gets reported. So back at the hub, Ianto tells them about the nightclub death. Um, it's also weird that, uh, well, I know it wasn't the case back then, but Ianto's just not part of the the core team, is he? No, he's not. He's not. And yeah, I know just... that. I know that's his station. He is the person who just kind of works on reception, cleans up their shit, uh, gets them coffee and Chinese. Mm-hmm. I, I want an Iando. He sounds great. <laughs> yeah, and he dresses well. Looks good in a suit. So inside the guy in that in the nightclub um, shows them the remains on the floor, um, and then we get a flashback. To him viewing it, mm-hmm. where he's procrastinating. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what to say, Liam. <laughs> that awkward, that weird scene. Y- yes. Okay, quickly discuss it. <laughs> Is it appropriate? Is it cringe? Is it funny? What's meant to be my takeaway from this scene? Uh. I think it's supposed to be funny. It's not. It's completely unnecessary. Um, uh, I mean, what's, what's, what's your take on it? Well, later on, we've got a scene of Owen just kind of sitting back, putting his feet up, watching Carice and Gwen kissing. It yeah. could have been a similar scene to that. Yeah. Yeah, but then anyway, again... Uh, we'll move on from that. Yeah, just... Yeah. <laughs> And then obviously we're having the, we're hearing the audio of the sex scene, uh, which is, which is cringe as well. Oh yeah. (laughs) Bit of a shock, I tell you. Oh God, yeah. Um, And then we get that great line, he just came and went. Right, it had to happen. A cum joke. See what he did there. Yes. Oh God. So, so after this. Jack plans to dump a body and cover cover up this lad's death. So Gwen's a bit shocked by all this, that they could just um, fake someone's death and they've got a stash of bodies. But wasn't this sort of established But this is how they do episode? things. Was it? Well, yeah, the whole thing of going, you know, that they're able to easily explain, um, you know, deaths. Faking records, dumping bodies elsewhere, right, yeah. places where they shouldn't be. So this has already been okay, established. Yeah. So why is she shocked? She already knew this. Yeah. Um, on well, an- it's, another level, that isn't she's, to say she's that's... feeling responsible for all this as well. Yeah. Um, oh well, that's um, how many times does this woman apologise in this episode? Um, that isn't to say that she still shouldn't be shocked by that. But the way that it's done in this episode is as if she's hearing it about hearing it for the first time. And she's, you know, she's not. She already knows that this is how they operate. Uh, from a production point of view, mm. uh, I think this was actually shot first. Yeah, which is which is fair enough. But na- from a narrative point of view, and the script, you know, the, the, main, the scripts would have been written, and they know how it would have been plotted. So yeah, or maybe her delivery of the line, she put the wrong emphasis on it. Mm. Uh, in which case, um, she's an actress wasn't given the uh, the proper guidance from the director. Maybe. 
so, so you know, you, Rob, you, you're doing a good job trying to defend it, but uh, no, sorry, still not buying it. I think it's 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 one of those things are going. There's no consistency with that. Um, no, I'm, I know, I'm determined I know to make I, you I, love this story by the end. Yeah, it's. I know it's a minor point, really, in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot more to talk about the episode, but uh, again, I just think it's it's inconsistency with the with the characterization, and this is something that uh, Russell T. Davis and you know Chris Chippenhall are supposed to be renowned for. Uh, but it's it's just it's just things like this which just a little mm. bit sloppy, and mm. uh, it it feeds into a bigger problem with the show. So Caris goes home. And she's with her dad. And we see her crying in the shower. Mm -hmm. Um, So this gives us a glimpse of the the Karis side of her. Because there's there's this conflict between these two two entities. Mm -hmm. Herself and the alien. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jack uh, shines a green torch on some knockoff Gallifreyan text. (laughs) Says he's he's calculating the trajectory or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Gwen asks about everyone's relationships and how do they kind of switch off after work because she herself is in is in a relationship, so she has a work life and a personal life. Yeah, but the rest of them don't don't have relationships, so she can't. That well, there's no comparison to the kind of the conflict she has. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So Tosh is running Karis's um, face through some facial recognition. So out of the the population of the UK, it narrows it down to 119 suspects, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, that's that's still too many." Um, so Ianto says he'll check through the rest of them with his eyes. Um, good for him. <laughs> yeah. So. So Jack suggests tracing her way back on the CCTV, um, and then Gwen suggests cross reference cross that with the 919 faces. Wouldn't it have been much simpler to get those 119 people and check who lives lives nearby? Yes, yes, it would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing which. Hey, could it- uh, which they do with this in this episode uh, a couple of times, and it, it's definitely focused on in this uh, in this scene, where Gwen is talking about you know um, it's an infringement on personal liberties and this constant surveillance, uh, which is actually quite a good thing to focus on, uh, and I would have liked to have seen them make a little bit more of that, but they don't. And I'm a bit disappointed with it. It's just mm. sort of like the pain. It's as if Chris Chibnall recognises that, that there's an issue here, but just pays lip service to it. Um, actually, that mm. would have been something quite interesting to focus on. But then, of course, that would have required some maturity, uh, which this episode severely lacks. Also, Carries is having some more internal struggles. She kind of screams at the mirror. But then there's a knock at the door. Um, so it's the Royal Mail guy, and he's like, you're keeping our website in business. What, like royalmail.co.uk? <laughs> yeah, so she drags him in and pulls his pants off. She says he thinks Gary put her up to this. Is Gary the ex? Or just some... How do... I don't mean this to sound weird, but... Firstly, I thought, wait, is Gary the dad? Because he's come to the house. 
I thought, no, the dad would not put her up to this. Yeah, oh, that's God. That, oh, that's, cre- oh, that's creepy. Oh, this episode's more icky than I thought, if that's the case. I don't think it is, but oh. Right, okay. No, oh, so maybe I'll edit that one out. <laughs> I think it is probably the X, but funny enough, it was round about this time that I really started to get bored with the episode, and I really, it was just... I, I'm not really that interested. Yeah. Right, she's trying to... She's trying to but, but she's trying to bonk uh, the the royal the the uh, the postman. royal mail. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Trying to bonk the the postman. Uh, is it you know? Because obviously we know that if if it goes through that he die. But the the way that it's done, there's no. It doesn't feel like there's any particular threat or tension going on or anything like that. Um, it actually it just feels a bit like the whole thing's shot in quite a lurid way, as if you're supposed to find this thing a bit a bit funny. And maybe a little bit sexy, but it's mm-hmm. none of those things. Um, no, nope. I think uh, had they, because we we know what happens. This man's life's in threat in such a stupid way. This man's life's in threat. Um, it, it could have like maybe made it a bit more atmospheric and a bit more tension. But again, that would have required you know dealing with this sort of this thing with some sort of maturity. But then there's nothing mature about this. The whole thing's just pretty stupid. Um, uh, mm. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't really interested in what was going on, and and then it doesn't it doesn't really last that long because uh, torch would come barging. It doesn't. In. Yeah, uh, which, so which torch, is torch would burst in. Yeah, thankfully makes the scene a lot shorter. So it's just like, yay, that's good. Let's quickly move on. Yeah. Owen traps carries in that inflatable cell. Yes, which uh, makes the ending of the episode pay off. We're introduced to this thing, so. Uh, that's good writing. I know yeah. I'm so sarcastic, but actually that is that is you know that is actually that's uh, you know that's standard um, setup. Uh, that's you know what you would expect. Yeah. So good for Chibbers there. So a bit bit of alien tech, mm-hmm. um, but it's also a plot device because it will become useful uh, at the end of the story. Yes, back back at the hub. Gwen escorts carries to her cell, um, and Gwen talks to both her and the alien. Um, but eventually she ends up in the cell kissing her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there was a little note about that from my authorized guide, unauthorized guide. If you can find that. For their kissing scene, Eve Miles imagined that Sarah Lloyd Gregory, the actress who played um, Karis, uh, she imagined that she was Johnny Depp, while Sarah imagined that Eve Miles was Brad Pitt. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah. Just a little fact. Yeah, no, no, that's interesting. Sort of, you know, that's what they had to do to get through that scene. Which yeah. goes on a bit too long. It feels like a token hot lesbian scene, um, and you know, uh, I don't think Owen's particularly uh, responsible in this. In fact, I mean, he's a creep, isn't he? Yeah, that's just he, he kind of owns it, though. Being a creep, mm. everyone knows it. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't, it doesn't make it right, Rob. 
You know, uh, no. all this going on is going, yeah, look at this. Uh, and Gwen's life could potentially be at risk with all this going on. But no. Yeah. And then he calls the others over and they just, you know, watch it a bit more. And it keeps on going on and going on. And it's just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Irresponsible. It's... <clears throat> uh, so re- If this was written by a 15-year-old, I would completely understand but it's not, Rob. There's no excuse. No. Oh, dear. Anyway, sorry, Rob. Carry on. Chibnall. Yes, so... Doesn't uh, Reese call at this point? Yes, when, um, he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tosh and Jack are coming to the rescue. But this point, by this point, Gwen's on the phone. She's like, get out, I'm on the phone. Um, so we have a few exchanges with Reese in this episode which uh, kind of portrays the relationship um, as a healthy relationship as far as he's aware at least um, because th- this this series does both to kind of paint Reese as I don't know. Do you think this whole series paints him as a, a good boyfriend or a not so great boyfriend? No, it's, it's good, but what I, was your I, perception I, of him. I, I do think it try it does sort of portray him as a bit of a bumbling oaf, which yeah, I'm not that keen on. Just because he's not in um, Gwen's world professionally doesn't mean that he's an idiot. Um, no. Unless I'm being a bit too harsh, but yeah, that that's sort of my take on it. And actually, the the actor but, um, who plays the the actor who plays him, because um, uh, I think actually the, the way that that the character's written, he could have been v- easily very irritating. But actually, the the actor does make him likable. So the actor does, I think, a really good job despite the material given him. Personally, yeah, he's got a charm. Yeah, he's yeah yeah he, yeah definitely he has got a charm. Yeah. We see the weevil briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that happened. So then, then they go and have Chinese. Um, once Jack leaves the room, they instantly start asking Gwen. Okay, so what do you know about Jack? Who who is he? What he told you? And none of these people know really. They've all been recruited by him at some point, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have a. An identity, a background, and they just don't know. And they ask about his sexuality. You know, is he gay? Is he straight? Um, different opinions there. Um, so yeah, it's a complete mystery. That was interesting that nobody knew. Mm-hmm. So Gwen thinks they're not doing enough to help Caris. Uh, at one point, she gets frustrated because. Caris is crying and, and she's like, what are we doing sat here eating Chinese when there's a girl fighting for her life? Jack's quite defensive of that. Um, do you think he's a bit arrogant? In yes. Responses? <laughs> or, yeah? Yeah. Because um, it's just like, well, we're doing all this and we're doing this and we're checking this out. No, 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 no. It's like, yeah, but she didn't know that. And you haven't what actually more can expl- we do? Yeah, what more can we do? It's like, oh, get over here. Jack, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, you didn't explain any of this. And Actually, I, I didn't like... really like Gwen's response to that because she she just smiles and she's like, oh, "I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. another element. It's yeah. just like we get it. 
Gwen is the the down to earth character. This is all completely new to her, but oh, again, nothing towards the actress because I think uh, the 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 actors that they've got, I think I, th- I think Torchwood is 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 cast well, but uh, the oh god, the material, yeah, and that whole thing, uh, yeah. I think that's actually a really good example, Rob, of the whole, oh, well, yeah, maybe I was a bit... It's just like, no, calling me out is bullshit. It's just like, yeah, but you didn't actually explain that to me. Now that you have, that's absolutely fine. So we are doing something to help her. But actually, that goes back to the point of just Jack coming across like an arrogant prick. Um, All we had to do is, um, you know, just go, well, actually, uh, we are checking out her, you know, we, we are checking out these things and, you know, so... Relax, Gwen, for, for, you know, he could, you know, again, the scene could be written in a way of going, he explains this and she's, relax, Gwen, it's fine. We know what we're doing and we can't balance this out. Yes, it's, um, we're dealing with horrible stuff, but you also need to balance it out. Eat your prawn cracker. And actually that would have fitted in quite well with the whole, the whole thing of just going, you know what, you actually, the way that the episode ends, Jack's actually, you know, tells Gwen to, maintain that balance it's incredibly important i recognize that and actually that's something that you can bring a lot more to to the team so that's a strength that you have that could have actually woven really well with this scene but it doesn't it's just jack being a prick and then gwen just taking it yeah a bit frustrating Mm. Mm. so tosh has been doing some tests and she realizes that Carice has been emitting pheromones. This is where Gwen admits that she did kiss her. Owen's found naked in a cell as well. Mm-hmm. He's feeling a bit of a cock. <laughs> yeah. I did actually and like. Then, I, I did. I've got to say, it's sort of. I did actually like that line that that Gwen said because you know he's, you know he's uh, he's being uh, his usual creepy sex pest self, and it's backfired. And you know he's he's having to cover himself up, uh, and uh, I did actually like yeah. uh, the line and actually her delivery of the line of going, oh, "You feel like a complete cock." I know it's not sophisticated because yeah. nothing in this episode is, but I did actually I, I did quite like that moment. Would you say that's the best one-liner of the episode? Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> probably is. Do you think it is? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Over overcame and went. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Bit of a shock, I tell you, as well. Yeah, so, I mean that's another thing. It's just like, okay, what was your favourite sex pun of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, my top yeah. three are, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is related to Doctor Who. It's insane. Anyway, okay, carry on. It is, yeah. I'm really intrigued. I wonder if any of the listeners know, but when this series was released, they did a they did an edited pre-watershed run of the series on BBC Two. Oh, I forgot it was about before this. nine p.m. Yeah, yeah. And the episodes were cut down, and I'm wondering to what extent. It's yeah. not something I've ever looked up. I don't know if those episodes are available anywhere. You think someone somewhere would have um, kind of archived them and posted them up, or or maybe it's something that's just kind of fell out of memory. 
but I'm quite curious to see um Yeah, I'm actually curious now, especially with this but especially with this episode to see how see how it was edited down. <laughs> it's a lot shorter yeah. and it's a lot better funnily enough. Uh yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see what they what they did with this a pre-watershed version of this thing. So Jack confronts Carrie's in the hub and they have a bit of a fight. Um is this the one you said that wasn't shot very well? Yeah, it's a it's a fight scene yeah. uh, badly executed. It's uh, yeah, yeah the, the 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 shots aren't as tight. Uh, the pacing of it's off. Um, it also makes everyone look. Um, it also makes everyone look incredibly stupid. The fact that she's very easy, easily able to get out. And Jack's obsession with a hand. Um, what is it with that? Why the does doctor's he... hand, yeah. Yeah. Um, that just comes across as particularly well, odd. Well, it is, but yeah. it's not really explained. It would be revealed eventually why he keeps it, obviously. Um, hmm. But do you mean in this in this moment, in this instance? Yeah. It just seems a bit odd. Yeah. It, um, yeah. You... So everyone's the, the the fight sequence and the chasing around isn't shot and directed particularly well, so that comes across as shoddy. Um, the 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 fact that uh, she's able to escape from the hub makes everyone look incredibly stupid in the way that she mm-hmm. escapes. She basically gets in the lift and she's out. And character motivation with with Jack and the Doctor's hand. Um, isn't even remotely explained or coming across. No. So you're just you're just questioning everything in this moment, and it's it's not as if you're you're engaging in the drama and just going, oh, I wonder why they're doing that, and and then these things are eventually paid off. No, you as the audience are just going, why they why is it done like this? Why are they behaving in this way? And that doesn't make sense. None of which is and explained. It's probably fair to fair to say a lot of people don't know what the hand is. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Well, you well, yeah. Think, this is the thing. That, yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, yeah, I do know. So, um, it you know, in uh, David Tennant's very first episode, the Christmas Invasion, his hand gets chopped off, but because he uh, he still got the regenerative energy, he's able to grow uh, a new one. But this hand is his original hand that was chopped off. Um, so yeah, I, I do get that, and we get uh, a musical when we first see the hand. We get a, a musical reference to um, the Murray Gold's Doctor theme that he gave David Turns Doctor. So yeah. it harks to that. Um, but yeah, this it is a bit of an issue where it, it it assumes that the audience know what this is, and yeah, okay, it's a Doctor Who spin-off series. But uh, that, you know, and obviously Doctor Who fans would be interested. So you would have a proportion of the viewers who would know what that is. But, um, I mean, it's 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 an odd thing to include in general, I think. But, um, like, for, for someone not familiar with Doctor Who tuning into this and watching it, uh, would they just think, oh, it's Torchwood, it's another weird alien thing. It must have some... some- yeah, but... It was an important part of the sequence because it was important enough for Jack to prioritise over Kerry's. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, maybe um, it did need more explanation, or maybe it, we needed a sequence where the the team question what he's done, at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get you get none of that. So yeah, another uh, another thing yeah. to notch against the episode, in my opinion. But anyway, yeah. I believe it's not actually David Tennant's hand, uh, not his actual hand, but it's. N- I don't think it's the cast of David Tennant's hand. I'm pretty sure his hand was too small. It just looked too small, uh, and I, I I think this is actually someone from the visual effects department. That that would make sense actually. So I can see from hit, yeah from yeah, a practical point of view. Just, yeah. Otherwise, they might be thinking. Why is there a lady's hand in that jar? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but also from a practical point of view, it's just it'd be it'd be quicker to do just use someone from the visual effects team. We need a hand. There's a hand. Do a model of a hand. Great job done. So yeah, I can I can see that from yeah. a practical point of view. Yeah. So Tosh and Gwen go out looking um, around the bay. So we get some little location shots. Um, I don't think we needed this shot. But um, it's nice. It adds a bit more atmosphere. We get some relocations there. So mm-hmm. I think that was that was a good little scene. Yeah, so I agree, uh, yeah, Jack I agree with that. You know, having job. having the the characters' reactions as the, as trying to find her and the desperation of it. Yeah, that that was that was nicely yeah. done. You're right there. Yeah, yeah. And the, the hub got a bit more scope because Carrie's goes up in the lift. Jack's running up a stairwell. Mm-hmm. And we get that long stone corridor that we'd seen in the previous episode, mm-hmm. which leads to the reception area. So it's a lot easier to kind of visualize the hub in some way as well. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Owen turns a rat into rat jam as he explains what what will happen to Carrie's. She's just going to blow up. Yeah, so um, I can kind of see the idea behind it, which is that um, there's now this ticking time bomb element. It's not, it, but it just feels like another. I mean, maybe if if it was more effectively done, it, it maybe I wouldn't be saying this, but it feels like maybe it's just one idea, that one more idea that this just just plonked in there, um, because there's no tension to it. The way that it's done, and I mean that. Bo- not. I mean, and I mean that both again in terms of uh, the writing and the direction and the pacing of the episode. There's no tension with this idea, so you've added this um, sort of ticking time bomb element to it, but you don't do anything with it. It's so it's not bad enough that she is a threat uh, that she can basically bonk people to death. Um, yeah. But it can't go on. It just adds a sense of urgency to it. Yeah, but that, mm. which again, it's sort of like it's. I've got nothing, got nothing against that idea, and it's a, it's a, it's a solid, basic, dramatic device to use. Uh, and you know, we've seen it count. You know, you know, Alfred Hitchcock used it. Um, you know, so you know, some Rat jam. What? No, 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 no. I mean that ticking time bomb element to build up tension. So you know the the. the the best of the best have used it, and it can be a very effective basic idea of getting um, 
the tension building and getting audience engagement and feeling that that you know getting that tension and 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 the drama rising can be really really good but but again they introduce this element to the episode and do nothing with it there's no tension there's no build-up and it's that sense of immediacy it's not in the script and it's certainly not in the direction of the overall so it's like well why why is why is it there you got this thing going on and you're not doing anything with it and this is hmm. this is like um dramatic tension 101 so right okay here's something else that this episode's doing and 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 doesn't do, doesn't do it effectively yeah because by the end she wasn't like ready to explode yeah and again this is the other thing as well when the you because uh owen mentions it a couple of times with the um with the uh force field device you know the the battery's running down it may not hold says that the first time it's used says it in that second but again there's no there's no tension there's no sense of is it going to run out uh you know, is it going to able to? You know, again, it's it's this, it's the same issue. You're introducing this element. Were, were is, you were you sat there on the edge of the city thinking, "Shit, I hope the battery lasts." And we like, "Phew." <laughs> no, I mean, obviously we're supposed to be, but again, there's this other element of tension that that you're that you brought in. Again, basic stuff, but you're not doing anything with it. Hmm. There's no tension, yeah. and it's not. And it's not a case of they attempted to try to build the tension in, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't quite work. As far as I'm concerned, watching it, there's no even there's no even attempt of trying to achieve that. Mm. So again, this this goes into the problem because I think I don't think this is uh, I, I think a lot of people regard this as a bad episode, and understandably, I think a lot of people focus on the actual script because, yeah the biggest issues of this episode do emanate from what Chris Chibnall wrote. But I think a, a, another issue of it is actually also the direction of it. I, it, it, it's shoddy direction. So I think that's another issue with right, the okay. episode. But anyway. Not just the concept. Yeah. yeah. We have an interesting scene where Caris goes outside for a walk um, and she sees how sexualized culture is mm-hmm. looking at all the advertisements and the way people are dressed and stuff very brief scene um do you think that scene was needed no and i think the reason why it's there is uh it's it's an attempt of going but look we're, we're doing all this stuff but we're having something to say about society wow aren't we being profound no you're not um, mm. It's not as if any of this was woven into into the episode. There's, there's there, there there was no uh, themes of um, attitudes towards sex, uh, gender, sexuality, um, advertising imagery. There's none of that in there. It's not thematically written into the episode. So this just comes across as again just going. Um, oh, um, right. Okay, we've got this uh, this stupid sex episode. Uh, uh, it is a bit crass. Let's, uh, I know, let's have this mon- this random montage scene where we're focusing on advertising and uh, we're, we're having something deep and profound to say about uh, the use of uh, sexual imagery. And it's like, no, I, I'm sorry, I don't buy it. Um, you're taking us for mugs. 
you haven't written yeah thematically this isn't in the episode so uh you can chuck this in um you're trying to have your cake and eat it it's yeah don't buy it so tosh concludes that she's gone to see her ex because that's apparently what she would do um so carries goes to see her ex um but by the time the team arrive it's too late Mm-hmm. He's just a pile of dust. Uh, they head off to Carrie's work. Of course, she works at a fertility clinic. Of course she does. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Gwen's given a gun. She's like, what's this for? That's South African, not Welsh. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, because she, she doesn't usually carry a gun, you know. Um, and they have a... They have a plan to force the entity out of Carrie's. Uh, so Carrie's is already at the clinic. Um, she's worked her way through everyone in the waiting room. But she's like, ne- next, please. She's taking them to a different room each time. Yeah, I mean, again, there's... Right, okay. I mean, there was a scream initially on the first guy, wasn't there? And then... Y- yes. These guys have just kept coming. Hey, um, <laughs> sorry, Rob. Um, yeah, they did in more ways than one. Um, yeah, oh, right. Okay, right, right. Really, as soon as this idea was proposed, uh, Chris Chibnall should have been laughed out the room. Um, but they decided to go with it. Right. Um, the stuff here. Which, right, so she's going through this uh, this clinic, and as you said, uh, she's going through, basically, she's bonking all the people there, right? One of whom says, no thanks, love, I'm gay, right? Yeah, so she, the pheromones must have got him. Well, no, she, he's clearly not into it, right? It, you know, but she, she, she basically mm. forced it. So, she... She rapes a gay man. So, okay, well, this isn't really a, a topic. I, this is something I thought about, but I didn't really want to bring it on the podcast. So, yeah, which I can... Um, I, I can had a conversation with my yeah. wife beforehand. Mm, right, okay. Um, because the, you could you could apply this to everybody, everyone in the story who she forces herself upon. Yeah. Um, and... Apart from her first victim, because he was clearly into it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and because it, I'm I'm talking about it now, shouldn't be so because it, it's it's a woman, um, forcing herself upon a man, um, I guess we don't, um, kind of, bat an eyelid at that and make the same comparison. I don't really want to talk about this. No, 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 I know, I know, because it, it is a very difficult conversation. Uh, we will we will quick quickly move on, but you could say, all what I say is right. Okay, this this stuff's going on. Either you comment on it in some, you know, dealing with the... What, the fact that it's a violation? Yeah, right. Because what I'm going to say is you either go two ways with this, right? You either go, right, this is what the... This is what's taking place in the episode. We either... uh, Either comment on it in a proper way or... 
you got you just go or, or, or either this is actually incredibly distasteful. Let's not do it. I think that might have been the wiser. Uh, yeah. Of the two. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I completely understand. I just, cause this isn't the, this isn't the, uh, the 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 forum for it. We'll we'll move. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on. I think that's all we've got to say about about it from that angle. But yeah. So they confront Caris in the waiting room, and her body's kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. So Jack kind of offers to help her, um, to the surprise of the team. But he means. Um, to give her some of his immortal life force. So he kisses her, um, which kind of takes the edge off there briefly. Um, I guess he does that as a mercy. And um, then Gwen, who has felt responsible um, for this whole chain of events, um, and also the the guilt is on her conscience of the deaths. Um which have been rising. So Gwen volunteers herself as a host for the gas. So Jack agrees, but he actually plans on using the force field. So as the gas leaves, Gwen's ready to become the new host. Uh, And uh, yeah, Jack throws the the inflatable force field down and traps it. And um, eventually just kind of, it itself turns to dust. Mm Mm-hmm. So Gwen returns carries to her dad, um, and Jack's there with the dad. I'm wondering what, what they'd said to him about what happened. I think it may have been uh, explained because uh, this go- goes into. Uh, I, th- I think uh, Jack probably told the father uh, what had taken place because, from his point of view, it's not as if his daughter went missing. And yet when he's reunited with her, they're mm-hmm. both very emotional, they're both crying, but they're both hugging. Um, so Yeah, because uh, it's not like she's been missing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, And this goes from an earlier scene, uh, Gwen has, has been doing all the back, background research on her and is, is, is telling Jack all about uh, you know, her personal history and humanising her uh, and saying, you know, we need, we need to be helping her. Um, and one thing that she says is, let's bring the father in and get him involved. And Jack's initially sort of reluctant. So I think this is a bit of a payoff to that scene, which is, you know, he has brought the father on, but, you know, explained everything. So he, you know, um, he can actually support his own daughter. That That's my take. Yeah. So this, that's good. Yeah. And as far as character development goes, Jack was kind of set in his own ways, arrogant. Gwen's come in. She has a fresh take on all this. Um, she has you know completely different fundamentals because as a police officer, she herself has a duty of care mm-hmm. um, and a certain skill set, which is bringing to the job, um, which Jack realizes and appreciates and, and encourages. So yeah. there's a bit of character development there as well Mm -hmm. so back inside the hub Gwen further questions Jack about who he is but in response to that he doesn't answer but he suggests that she just goes home and goes and has lasagna with Reese lives a life and and says do that for me Um, because Jack doesn't have that does he 
No, no, he doesn't. So, what's your takeaway from that episode? Still, um, still feel as badly about it um, as you did at the start of the podcast. Uh, uh, worse. Yeah. Well, to be perfectly honest, Rob, I thought when we were, I, I thought I was going to be. Comp- I thought, I was like, oh, what, what have I got to say about this? Other than it's like I don't like it, and I was bored. Uh, one of the things that's been surprising talking, talking through the pod, uh, talking about the story, uh, going through it with you, is actually just like it. I actually have come to the realization it's a lot worse than than I initially thought. Just sort of like breaking it down <laughs> and discussing the problems with the episode. It's like it's even worse than I mm. thought. I mean, I've always thought it's a crap episode, but. Um, uh, I always, but I thought I would be approaching this from the oh, it's 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 the stupid crass episode with the with the uh, with the sex uh, uh, gas alien, um, but it actually it's it's I've rewatching it recently and talking about it, it's, it's a lot worse than than I remembered. I think it's um, for the things in there which could work or were were fairly decent. Nothing's really done about them, and on the whole. I think it's uh, it's poorly directed. Uh, goes into the the editing of it. I don't think it's particularly well edited, um, and uh, but then the but the biggest problem is the script and the I mean one the actual story itself should have been thrown out. It's just crass and stupid. But right, okay, they went with it. Uh, which was mistake number one, and then the, the rest of it is just like there's no subtlety to to the script. It's crass. It's it's stupid, um, and it's just shoddy. Do you know how old Chris Chibnall was when he wrote this? Um, at the time, I, I assumed he was about sixty. <laughs> no, <laughs> some old man. How he, old was he? He was roughly our age. He was thirty five, thirty six when he no. wrote the script. And it, that that's even more staggering. It's just like, I mean, uh, if it were right, it, it, I would say it's sort of like it comes. You know, it's like it's like a fifteen-year-old wrote this. But then it's like, am I insulting fifteen-year-olds? But it's it's really crass. It's really stupid. Uh, and um, yeah, I don't think it. The one thing that I will say for, from a positive is, is what we said before. I think the visual effects team. And those responsible for the lighting, it did a did a good job. So though you know th- those people from a from a craftsman point of view, because you know it's their job of going right. We've been told to to do this thing and sell it as much as possible. I think actually, you know, they did a good job. The fault and and uh, I think and, the act the actors did well. Yes, I was about to say even that. though some of the stuff they lacked substance or was mm. pointless. <laughs> Or or whatever. Yeah, uh, and yes, the, the cast. Yeah, themselves... the main, the, I think the main cast did as well as as well as ever. You, yeah, I guess. For, yeah, I agree considering with that. they just had the minor stuff. Uh, um, the actor who played Carries, again, um, yeah, I can't I can't fault her as a as a person making a performance, but mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't. I guess it wasn't the right part. Yeah, but but yeah, so I agree with that. The actors were good as well. Uh, and the, there might be one or two elements of it, but but the rest of it, ah, it's crap. So sorry, I, I honestly thought that uh, I thought I was going to come along. I thought we we're going to have a, a lot of fun and have a laugh with this, but 
Uh, maybe but, next time. Yeah, may- maybe next time. But yeah, will it's... there be a next time? <laughs> maybe. There. Is, the thing is, though, that even in the first series, that there is, um, unless the like my, my memory is cheated, but there is some later good stuff with Torchwood. <laughs> So I've got no problem coming coming back to the series and talking about it. But this episode, yeah. <laughs> I'm really bothered about how bad it is. I shouldn't be. It's just like it's crap. Let's move on. But yeah, it's uh, doing this podcast has really brought me up about the damn thing. Anyway, yeah. what's what's your summary? I kind of thought I'd end up liking it more after the discussion. But yeah, I, I think I'm. I agree with you. I can despise it more. <laughs> yeah. I honestly thought what we were suggesting that you know what, Robert, good call. Yeah, I'm up for it, and we're going to have a good laugh with it. But no, I've co- I, you know I feel, I feel like I've come across as really negative. But I don't apologise for that because I think this episode deserves all, pretty much all the kicking it gets. It's bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the next one is, is it called Ghost Machine? Uh, yes, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. We'll not be doing that next week, obviously, but we will hopefully come back to that soon. Yeah, is that the episode with if Gareth you, Thomas? Still up for it? It is, and I didn't realise at the time because I'm just stupid and ignorant and <laughs> just don't notice these things. Ignorant of Blake Seven, it's a disgrace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got no. It hasn't put me off. And I, I, I think if if I was had I not seen Torchwood before and say this was the first time I was introducing it, I'd be uh, in here going would you want to do more be like you know what rob i'm not sure that i do but yeah i haven't got a but knowing that there is good stuff later on yeah i haven't got a problem with it and i've already seen yeah um, i will say i think this is worse than any of class well to be perfectly honest i'd be i'd be surprised if if class was worse than this uh it'd be like wow okay um, so that that never actually crossed my mind, but right, okay, because that is another series. Because I, I I I haven't seen. I know they only did one series. Um, Class yeah. is a series that I would uh, I would like to to watch and um, see what. Yeah, and I, I know we need to start at some point, but mm-hmm. are we a bit oversaturated with all the different ranges we're covering at the moment? Do you think? Would you uh, rather wait till we've settled down a bit? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, once we've. Uh, I mean, because we're going through the season 18 with the TV and the big finish stuff. I think once we've got that out of the way and we're settling back in into Doctor Who, yeah, probably... It, well, settle into the non-big finish stuff is what I mean uh, with the season 18 yeah, stuff. Possibly, but, uh, yeah, possibly maybe nearer the new year. Yes. Or, or after then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Well, I'll see if we have any listener feedback this week. Yeah, Martin Havel from Bad Wolf said, uh, this is an ex's favourite episode. She absolutely loved it. I remember her saying, that's more like it, after both episodes had aired on the first night. And to this day, if Torchwood is ever brought up, um, she'll swear blindly none of it was as good as this episode. I'm being serious. Um... Right, okay. Uh, the fact that he's added that I'm being serious, I think uh, he, he knows... I know people's taste is different than all the rest of it, but that is ridiculous. <laughs> but each to their own. She is an ex now. 
Yeah, is that is that the reason why? We will have to ask. The brig got in touch. Oh, excellent! Um, yeah, Mark Cochran from All Time Space. It's so adult, cool, dark, and edgy. It hasn't aged very well, has it? <laughs> no, it hasn't. But then, no. Uh. Sonia got in touch. Oh, good. good. It's a it. Yep. Yeah. Hi, Sonia. It was a very uncomfortable watch. My dad was working on finishing my basement while I was watching it. I felt like I was trying to be too adult. The scene of the security guard was unnecessary. It just felt icky. Was not a fan. <laughs> yeah, well we well, we sort of skirted around that security guard scene, didn't we? You just got uh it's there. What yeah. do you think? Next. Yeah, just, just next, just move on. Yeah, uh, completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, Satsunami from the brilliant Chat Tsunami podcast got in touch. He said, it's like a teenager's vision of an edgy Doctor Who story and sums up everything that the series did wrong through its run. Imagine this being your first mission in, in Torchwood and you get put up against the rumpy pumpy alien. <laughs> You have me like, right, I'm done. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. yeah, it's Yeah. It's like what I was saying before, it is that it's that really odd attempt of trying to be sort of like edgy and cool. And it, it just it just fails. And I, I can't Yeah. And the fact that Chris Jubber was in his mid thirties when he when he wrote this drivel. Um Oh, those mid thirty something lads. They don't know. That's us, Rob. That's us, oh yes. Um, it's like it's, the age that we are now, I can't see how... Yeah, okay, he may have been in his mid-30s, but I think his mental age was obviously a lot lower than that. I mean, if I was to write a, a, a script or something, it, I mean, one, the idea of someone in the mid-30s coming up with this thing, I think is frankly ridiculous. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. It, it's interesting how. Well, I, I remember at the time I got onto a YouTube channel of some, some kid reviewing it. And he was like, oh, fat men should not write about sex. This was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. <laughs> okay. What do you say, kid? How old we're talking here? I'm I'm guessing some fifteen year old. Right, okay. So look, there yeah. you are. A fifteen year old recognised how crap this episode was. And there yeah. I was saying, you know, it's as if it was written by a fifteen year old. So I think I've inadvertently insulted fifteen year old, so I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> um you know, they're obviously much more discerning and a lot more uh, sophisticated than I gave them credit for. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. This was just written by a moron. <laughs> there you go. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, we've, got, we've got one more Chibnall episode to get through, Liam. It's like, do you think it'll come f- full circle from day one to the power of the Doctor? Yeah, you never brought the cyber woman back. The gas is back. Oh, the gas is back. Oh, God. Oh, no. 
Oh, it doesn't bear thinking about the climax. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we did a poll. How did people rate day one? Good, average, or bad? Good and average tied 15.4%. So the majority, 69.2%, said it was bad. So even, oh God, it's just, everything's just, just sex with this thing. So even 69% thought it was bad. There's even sexual connotations with the result of that poll. Yeah. Oh, it just seeps everywhere. Oh, everything. And the 15% thought was good, like the 15 year olds. (laughs) But no, we've concluded that the 15 year olds don't like it. (laughs) Well, a 15 year old, but yeah, it, oh God, just, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm curious, how would you rate it? Good average or bad? Bad. <laughs> was that any? Was that any every doubt? <laughs> and you? No. Well, before I'd watched it, I hadn't seen it since I'd bought the DVD, two thousand six maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I thought, I thought I'd probably be giving it an average, um, because I thought, oh, maybe, I thought it was a stupid idea idea at the time, but I bet, I bet the acting's great. And it's probably written really well. <laughs> and I'm judging it poorly. <laughs> and it's probably got a really deep um, philosophical message woven in there. Right. But no, it's just crap. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just crap. Um, but... The, at least Torch would reach the pits... This early on in its run. It's like, it can't possibly get any worse. Do you think it falls lower than this at any point? In my memory, That's no. That's interesting. Something we'll have to keep in mind. Yeah. I mean, I do think that the, 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 mm. there may be... Well, I do know that there are other episodes which touch on things which we may regard as distasteful. And this episode's certainly distasteful. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, um, so it, it, and if memory serves, they are they are in the first season. Yeah. So from a distasteful perspective, um, maybe it hasn't reached its the absolute pits yet. But as, but in terms of mm. that and the overall execution of it, I think this this is probably the worst. But we'll see. Might yeah. come across another. Might be the ghost machine. And I, Maybe yeah. And I, 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 you know, I may think Gareth Thomas's character is why? Why have they made him? You know, such and such. Mm. But anyway, yeah, uh, um, But we'll uh, we'll get onto that when we we look at that episode. We shall. Well, see. Um, I'm sorry, Liam, for for making you watch this, and I'm sorry, sorry to the listeners as well. <laughs> well, uh, um, yeah. Also. Well, no, it's just uh, hopefully the listeners have got some sort of entertainment of listening listening to us kick, you know, stick the boot in. So, anyway. What were we going to say? Sorry, Rob? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say what was also available right now. Um, so, for something more positive, Podcast 106, we talked about Torchwood Everything Changes. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Torchwood memory game on the website cloisterbellpodcast.com forward slash retcon um, and also we have a, a classified file on the website for the patrons which is your your first account of seeing Torchwood Liam 
Sorry? You know your I've never seen Torchwood article. Oh yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a patron exclusive unlockable on the website. So another little thing that's out there. Um so yeah, so I guess we'll we'll start wrapping that up. Um what is coming next week? Um could I mention that? Do you have episode four of Motion Picture Podcast out today? Yes, so um, I've got a uh, I've got my own podcast. It's it's just me hosting it, and it's called, as Rob said, it's called Motion Picture Podcast. Um, I've done a relaunch of it. It, it did. I did start it earlier this year, um, but I wasn't. I, I thought I could have done it a bit better, so I, I relaunched it uh, in October. Um, so yes, so uh, this month I'm looking at the the first uh, era of the James Bond films because it's. Uh, it's been a 60th anniversary year so my first podcast was looking at dr no one from russia with love then the second was goldfinger and thunderball uh and then the fourth one is looking at casino royale that's the 1967 james bond spoof version of it not the daniel craig uh film oh, and right. uh on her Majesty- you were jumping ahead a bit there yeah no yeah it would a bit odd um <laughs> and you only live twice uh, which was the the first oh, Sean, which was the first last Sean Connery film. He would subsequently do two more, but anyway, that's another story. But yes, um, but yeah. So looking at the the James Bond, there's definitely also... worth worth checking out. Yeah, more of Liam, less of me mumbling about the place. <laughs> what more could you ask for? The opposite. Um, yeah. So how did they find that? Of course, all the information is on cloisterbellpodcast.com. Um, there is a page for motion picture podcasts on the sidebar. All the respective links are there for all these, all these different things, socials and where to listen. Yeah, it's uh, thanks, Rob. And then uh, on Twitter, if you search for motion picture podcast or motion pick underscore pod, you'll be able to find me there. I am available on, on, on uh, the podcast is uh, available on quite a few um, uh, places that you would uh, expect, but probably Spotify is the the easiest place just search for motion picture podcast and you'll be able to find it so what on earth are we doing next week Liam? good question some more fourth doctor audios i believe yes so this continues um the further realm into folly which was uh this idea that looking at uh, season 18 which was tom baker's final season um looking at both the televised stories and also the big finish uh, stories which would uh, which is supposed to fit into that season um so next week will be uh two big finish audios which fit into that and they are the skin of the sleek and the thief who stole time yeah that's good looking forward to it so again thank you for listening um and i guess we'll say say goodbye now hey liam yeah i think uh I think we've uh, summed up everything <laughs> pretty comprehensively. Yes, uh, so thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Uh, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Wow.
Sir, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no.